Good morning, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Getting close to Wiz. Lots going on still in football. Moving parts day to day. And a uh, big story yesterday, I guess, is uh, this Jonathan Taylor situation uh, that is brewing in Indianapolis, Wiz. Yeah, it seems like every day there's a new <laughs> development, especially at the running back position. And, uh, this is a this is a difficult one um, because of uh, you know Jim Irsay and uh, who. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how this is going to play out here. Um, it's 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 trickier than the other ones because he, you know, came to camp. So there's like a different rule as far as that is concerned. So. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see how it plays out, but uh, it's for a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who's like a humble guy, and really, you know, you don't see much from him. You know, with off the field stuff, he usually just does his talking on the field. For him to start, just you know, requesting a trade, uh, you just have the feeling that things are not right in Indianapolis, and uh, we'll see what develops over the next few days. Yeah, and maybe it's just a building brotherhood amongst these running backs, right? We saw Eckler put out some you know, a lot of public statements when, when he was actually seeking a trade in the offseason. The charges allowed him to do so. Uh, we saw the drama unfold here in New York with Saquon Barkley, where at the end of the day he ended up taking a deal, which you know, by, the, by the sight of it, at least on first take, looks a little bit more uh, team-friendly, if you will. Um, but, you know, we've talked a lot about running backs. Uh, it looks like NFL owners have kind of embraced a different philosophy around these type of players, and, and, and that's kind of what's going on here. And I, I don't know, may, maybe it's all the noise that's kind of been going on in the background and, and you know, kind of a building, bubbling situation, and, and, and maybe, and I don't disagree with your statements on, on Taylor as a kid and a person and all that sort of thing, but... You know, you get the sense that there's a building frustration at the running back position, and it's I'm, this is probably the way it's manifesting. Is is my take on it? Well, I, you know, I think we could probably dedicate a podcast to just talking about this. But to me, this is not necessarily a running back issue. Owners. This is the NFL Players Association yeah. who, when they, when they years ago, they allowed this to happen where a, a rookie is basically, you know, set their first seven years, right? Four-year contract. The, the player option can be picked up. Then there's franchise tag. And then, you know, after that, you're talking about uh, another, you know, his second, the player's second contract. They're at the age where owners don't want to. So if, if, if rookies would just have to be committed to a team for the first four years, that would be one thing. But like these extra years of player option for the team, um, and then, you know, being able to be franchised, it's just too many years that the team has the the the, the drastic leverage. And, yep, uh, drastic. It's, it's just probably something we could we could talk about it on the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, you mentioned the term owners, right? Like that's all that <laughs> that's a whole nother level of complexity. Uh, it's not to say that th- these guys don't own the football teams. Right. But there's a dynamic that's uh, underlying there that, yeah, this is a very this is a much deeper conversation. But uh yeah, and perhaps we will get into it in, in, in a different podcast. But your point is, is is extremely well taken, and I think I, I, it really it, it's at the heart of the matter. So, quite frankly, so 
Anyway, so Wiz and I are still doing uh, each and every team in the NFL uh, as we do our outlooks for the upcoming season on a fantasy basis. And we've come to the final division in the AFC, and that is the AFC West uh, division last year, which we thought had a lot of promise, where all four teams potentially had the, the makings of a playoff team, and that, that did not come to fruition. And uh, at the end of the day, the, the Denver Broncos were probably the most polarizing and glaring example of a failure last year under Nathaniel Hackett, who could not get anything done. Seems like that drama is kind of still kind of playing out uh, with uh, the new coach, Sean Payton, actually making commentary uh, about what happened. And, you know, we saw that whiz last year with a lot of crap went on the sidelines and in the locker room, and most coaches wouldn't tolerate it. I would argue in the NFL, coaches do matter. We saw that the situation in Jacksonville. Uh, so bringing in uh, Sean Payton is a big deal, uh, and they gave up draft equity in order to do so. Uh, this is a guy that has history. He's got a Super Bowl champion. Uh, he's had a lot of success with quarterbacks, uh, including, I would add, when Teddy Bridgewater was a starter, when Drew Brees was out, he went 5-0. and Jameis Winston actually showed some signs of promise um, before he got hurt uh, in that year when he was a starter, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. I have to believe, Wiz, that Russell Wilson is going to be a different quarterback this year. I think he's being probably underrated uh, all over the league as a result of what happened last year. But we'll see how that all plays out. But I think Peyton is going to matter here. And I think that is, you know, number one situation here with the Denver Broncos is the fact that there's new leadership. So I'm kind of, you know, I looked at my notes last year at this time versus this year at this time. I'm really you know, stunned to see the difference between a lot of these skilled players on the Broncos. And we started at Russell Wilson, who was clearly inside the top 10 uh, going into the start of the season last year. This year, not even thought of as a quarterback. One kind of looked at somewhere between quarterback 15, 18, somewhere then. Um, so the way I look at it, I have Russell Wilson as a quarterback, too, with upside, of course, that could sneak into that quarterback one, um, you know, territory. How do you view it? Yeah, I'm a biased Russell Wilson guy historically. Um, it's a player that I've always liked. It's a player that I feel like historically going into drafts was probably underrated. Uh, there's been I, I, the situation this year is even more emphatic in that direction. So I would say, in, 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 I'm in a number of leagues, I would say uh, it, it will not be surprising to me if I walk out of a draft and I take a shot with Russell Wilson saying, you know what, I'm going to invest in some of these other skill positions instead, and I'm going to make a bet that Russell Wilson is going to return to some glory in 2023. So that wouldn't surprise me if I did that. Like I said, I have a bias on the player. Uh, I think you add Sean Payton to the mix, uh, and I have some confidence that Russell Wilson and the debacle that transpired last year in Denver uh, will be a thing of the past in 2023. And, you know, based on where they're ranked, there could be some real value with the running back situation as well, with Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan. The thing is, you're just not quite sure what you're going to get out of Javante Williams. Is he going to take some of the season, most of the season to get back in the form? Is he going to you know, be able to get back much earlier than that where there's tremendous value because Javante Williams right now is being viewed as you know, somewhere around between 15 and 20 and Samadre P. Ryan even a little bit further than that back around 25 30 even um, so when you're looking at this, you, you feel that there's value there the issue is which player, or do you just kind of like wait back and try and get both players and see how it plays out? How, how are you viewing 
Williams and P. Ryan as a, you know, in, where they're being ranked as to what you think you're going to get from them this year. Yeah, the question is timing of when, when Javante Williams actually hits the field, right? That's number one. Uh, number two, it's hard to look at what transpired last year in just a minimal uh, example of play, right? He only played in four games last year. Uh, we saw the potential in the player as a rookie, and I think there was high hopes for him last year. But again, the whole offense was bogged down. He had no touchdowns in those four games that he did play. P. Ryan, we've talked about that player a lot. Uh, he meant a lot to that Bengal offense, and I think you know they went out of his way. So I think you know early in the season, if if we are correct in that Williams misses you know, the start of the season, you know P. Ryan's going to have real value. Um, I think it's a situation though, is where you're going to probably try to attempt in some leagues to kind of harness both players if you can do so, um, because I think the running back situation, you know, what we've seen historically, also with with Sean Payton coach teams, right? They, that's been that's been a big part of what they do. So um, it's tricky. Uh, Williams is the more talented player, but Piran will be effective without a doubt. They also have uh, Tony Jones Jr. Uh, Sean Payton brought a player that he has familiarity with. He also brought his fullback back, and Mike, uh, Michael Burton. Um, so I think Payton went into into the well in order to get some established players that he thought could add some depth to their roster. But uh, they're going to be in the back end towards you – know, neither guy is going to be a running back one. Okay, that, That's what I would say. That running back two, three is the way I look at it. Uh, Williams with more upside, particularly in, in, in leagues where there's keeper value there. So, um, but I think it's a, it's a situation where you probably have to try and get both players if you can. Yeah, and like uh, we've been talking about, there there could be value there based on where they're ranking now. It doesn't it doesn't seem like people are uh, you know pushing each other out of the way to try and either get Williams or P Ryan. So uh, trying to get both players in that situation. Um, is seems prudent, but you could also take a, a stab on either one of those players based on where they're being ranked, mm-hmm. as opposed to what they could do on the field. There, there is value there. No question. Let me ask you this, Wizzle. This is a team last year that ranked in the really bottom of scoring per game. You have to believe that under Sean Payton, this team will probably score. I don't know, close to five to six points more than they did last year per yeah, game. I think that's. Yeah, I would say I think that's fair. I definitely, I, I think that's fair. Um, and, you know, uh, looking back to where I had some of these players ranked last year at this time to now, the most astonishing player in terms of difference could be Colton Sutton, who I had somewhere right around wide receiver 15 this year. And now I don't even necessarily know if this player is draftable, maybe wide receiver three. Um, Jerry Judy's a better route runner. Um, and you just get the impression that Sean Payton is going to be able to design plays for that player. Uh, so I have Jerry Judy as wide receiver two, Colin Sutton more as a wide receiver three slash flex player at this point. Uh, I just, the connection looked off and I know Sean Payton is going to be able to help that situation, but I just don't trust it. Um, so I'm going with Jerry Judy as wide receiver two somewhere around wide receiver 20, uh, and Colin Sutton much further back. Uh, Tim Patrick is back from the injury. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if he's going to be more than a flex player. So that, that's what I'm saying. Do you, do you view it any differently as far as the receivers on the Broncos? 
this is hard, right? Um, so when I look at the targets last year, and they were equally distributed between Sutton and, and Judy, and this was with no Patrick. Patrick, Patrick missed all of last year. Um, I think Tim Patrick is a, is, a, is a really interesting player. Was I think he has tremendous hands. He has a tremendous um, completion percentage when thrown to. Uh, he's very good around the goal line. And you know, I think back to Peyton teams when uh, Jimmy Graham was was a force around the goal line. And I don't know, I, I, ha- I have a strange feeling about Tim Patrick. I would say he's kind of one of my sleeper picks coming into this draft, uh, fantasy drafts, I would say. Uh, Sutton really took a step back. Um, I'm not sure what happened there. I, I, I don't trust Jerry Judy completely. I think he's been... Uh, in, in the sample set that we've seen over the course of his career, he, I would call him inconsistent and, and not living up to the hype of him coming out of college. Uh, so I'm not completely comfortable with that player. I'm not disagreeing with the number two ranking. Uh, I, I just have a little bit of more intrigue in, in, in Patrick as a contributor. They also have Cal, Marquez Callaway. They drafted Marvin Mims, uh, Mims who's got some, some down-the-field speed. Uh, I don't know if any of those players is, is going to make a... a, a anything of an impression this year unless there's an injury um but but like the rest of the players in the broncos there's just so much uncertainty around this entire offense around this entire team and i think that folds right into the wide receiver situation as well yeah you just get the impression that they're going to spread the ball around and he's going to use a lot of different player personnel that's what he was known for you see three four players coming off the field three four guys coming on the field uh so tim patrick definitely a player with upside um, so we'll see how it plays out. And he's very, to your point, uh, very tricky and with his length, good at the red zone. So why don't you talk a bit a little about the Broncos tight end and where you have him ranked. For me, I have him ranked right in that group between like eight and 16, where I have like eight, nine tight ends, uh, very much bunched together where – some of those guys are definitely going to be in the tight end one grouping. Talk about the tight end and where you have that player ranked. You know, it's funny. This is another place where uh, Peyton went out and got a player that he had before, and that's Troutman. So he has some depth. Uh, Albert Ugrabunum is also here. But Dulcich is the guy that's going to be the receiving tight end on this team. Uh, a little bit of speed on the player, gets down the field a little bit, and made some noise last year. And, again, that was in an offense that, that did not perform at a high level. And I think, as we've seen in the past, and like you just mentioned, the different packages that Peyton will utilize in this offense. So I, I like where you have him ranked. I don't disagree. There's probably, again, upside potential here, uh, just knowing that the Broncos could be a very, very different team in, in 2023. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's about right for me. Uh, I, I, I like him. Uh, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. So um, here's the one thing yeah, I would say, I, Wiz. This is the one interesting thing. He averaged yeah. basically the same amount of yards per completion as the other two bozos at receiver. So, so I, that that kind of throws a little switch on for me. Yeah, I, I, hear, I hear you, and he is capable of making big plays, and you get visions in your head of. Um, the days of Jimmy Graham with Sean Bayton as the head coach. So uh, I'm not saying he has that kind of talent or that athletic ability, but certainly intriguing when you have a a skilled player who can get mismatches and have a quarterback that's a a coach that's able to design plays for those mismatches. So um, I want you to talk a little about the special teams for the Broncos uh, playing in that 
mile high where you could kick long field goals. You have any interest in the uh, place kicker? Yes, yeah, so, or Broncos defense. Yeah, so I want to talk about the defense first. So Vance Joseph is coming back as defensive coordinator. Uh, he was formerly the head coach of this team. Uh, when when he was the head coach and when he was kind of overseeing the defense a bit during that tenure, the Broncos were a top seven team in takeaways and sacks. Um, the problem with the Bronco defense last year is twofold. Uh, number one, well, it's actually threefold. So they lost their defensive coordinator. Uh, Avero went over to, uh, who was a good young coordinator. He's over in Carolina now. So that's number one. Second thing is they didn't take away the ball. Um, third thing is this offense worked against their defense, i.e. the offense stunk. It was lack, lacked efficiency, it lacked the ability to stay on the field, and this team defense was on the field too much. So those three factors are, are, are something that, kind of bothers me about the defense. However, uh, there is a tremendous amount of talent on the defense. Uh, and again, Vance Joseph has had some success here. Uh, the secondary is very strong. We know they have some solid players like Sertan. And uh, I think this is a defense that still, despite all the woes that they had as an offense last year, was able to hold opponents to under 20 points a game. So this is potentially a top 10 defense that may be not viewed like that uh, based on where they fell last year, which I think was around ranked 14 or 15th as a defense was. Uh, and, and on the kicker side, um, I expect Brett Maher to get the job. Uh, he kicked well a couple of years ago for the Cowboys, and then he kind of disappeared. Uh, Elliot Fry, I believe, is also in camp. But, you know, again, whoever is the field goal kicker of the Broncos, you get the luxury of the altitude in Denver, as well as when you're not playing in Denver, you're playing in warm weather and domes elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, there is talent on the Broncos' defense. You just have to be careful playing in that division. You don't want any part of when they're playing the Chargers um, or Kansas City, even though they've been able to turn over Patrick Holmes in one game last year. Yeah, they did. Uh, they, I believe they intercepted him three times. Yep. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But certainly good spot plays, especially at home, especially when you get those home Weather games with the wind is gusting, and uh, so so good streaming defense for the Broncos, and uh, we'll see what happens at, at kicker and see if Brett Merrick can uh, can uh, oust Elliot Fry for that kicker position and see uh, who gets the job there. All right, fantastic. All right, so that's a wrap on the Broncos, Wiz. Uh, moving on to the Super Bowl champions next, Kansas City Chiefs. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Make sure you're subscribing. And uh, up next, like I said, was Casey. You got it.